0: Hello, and welcome to The Bite, Hope Brooklyn's weekly podcast for bite-sized spiritual thoughts to inspire you as you center your life around God's great story. Thanks so much for listening. Our passage today comes from Matthew 9, 27-34. As Jesus went on from there, two blind men followed him, calling out, Have mercy on us, son of David. When he had gone indoors, the blind men came to him and he asked them, Do you believe that I am able to do this? Yes, Lord, they replied. Then he touched their eyes and said, According to your faith, let it be done to you. And their sight was restored. Jesus warned them sternly, See that no one knows about this. But they went out and spread the news about him all over that region. While they were going out, a man who was demon-possessed and could not talk was brought to Jesus. And when the demon was driven out, the man who had been mute spoke. The crowd was amazed and said, Nothing like this has ever been seen in Israel. But the Pharisees said, it is only by the prince of demons that he drives out demons. These two miracles are the final two of ten miracles that Jesus shares about from chapters 8 to 9. The miracles demonstrate the authority that Jesus had over nature, death, sickness, and dominion. They also represent the compassion of Jesus. Through each miracle, he is restoring the dignity and humanity to each individual. Lastly, the miracles are glimpses into the greater kingdom that Jesus will be welcoming us through His life, death, and resurrection. In the first of these two miracles, the blind men obviously have not physically seen any of the miracles that Jesus has been demonstrating. They are approaching Him with the hope of what they have heard about Jesus. Immediately, we recognize that blind men acknowledge the authority of Jesus when they address Him as Son of David. In Matthew 1, This title reinforces the truth that Jesus is the Messianic King. This is one of the rare occasions in which Jesus inquires about their faith. The two blind men reply with certainty, placing their hope entirely on the fact that Jesus was a true Messiah. It is important to recognize that Jesus says that they are healed according to their faith. Many times we misinterpret this portion of Scripture And begin to believe that the measure of our faith is dependent on the quality or depth of the healing we receive. As interpreters, we need to be cautious of these tales because we will then believe that it is the merit of faith that delivers the healing instead of the compassionate nature of God. We will begin to place our hope in the good deeds we acquire in our pursuit of faith instead of placing our trust in the good gifts that God will deliver. The disappointing result will be the crushing weight of failure when our faith doesn't measure up to the depth of healing we are expecting. It is true that Jesus inquired about their faith in Him, but as we have seen in previous miracles, not all people were of faith or, quote-unquote, great faith when they were healed, delivered, or revived. We will also see in the next miracle, there was a complete absence of faith in the demon-possessed man. If anything, the faith lied in those who brought this man to Jesus. However, we cannot assume that from the text. Jesus tells them not to tell anyone about the miracle that was performed. However, the two men ignore the commands of Jesus and tell everyone about the deeds. Whether their intentions were good or bad, or if it was simply out of jubilation, and who would blame them, they acted in disobedience to the words of Jesus. Although this might seem like a detail we can overlook, it points to the fact that not all who are affected by Jesus' miracles come into complete obedience and discipleship with Him. Yet. He still healed. In the second and the last miracle in the set of ten, a mute man who had a physical disability due to being demon-possessed is brought to Jesus. It is clear that the demon-possessed man did not present himself to Jesus. He wasn't like the two blind men who had hope and faith that Jesus was the son of David. However, Jesus has compassion on this man and casts out the demon that was causing his disability. As a disclaimer, this does not mean that all disabilities are attributed to something demonic. This man had no measure of faith that brought about the healing. When we place the outcome of the miracle on our own level of faith, we dwindle down the compassionate nature of Jesus. We begin to think that Jesus' response to our sickness and brokenness is due to our hard-earned efforts in being morally righteous. This miracle is an example that Jesus will choose to demonstrate His authority, compassion, and grace to all. The scope of people that Jesus loves and blesses are not limited to the inner circle. The most important thing to notice here is the response of the crowd and then the Pharisees. The crowd is dumbfounded by this miracle and has no explanation for it, except to be in awe and wonder. However, the Pharisees who did recognize the miracle and acknowledge that a demon was casted out, or in denial that it was because of Jesus' authority as the Son of God. Instead, they decide to accredit the miracle, to demonic role. In both of these miracles, there is a theme of blindness that occurs. In the first miracle, the physical eyes of the blind man are healed. Although their response wasn't ideally what Jesus had in mind, their initial approach attributed Jesus as a true Savior and healer. In the second miracle, we notice that the Pharisees, although they can physically see the miracles occurring, are spiritually blinded by their bias and religiosity. In Matthew 23, Jesus rebukes the Pharisees for their spiritual blindness. Their worldview of how their Savior should look like and act blinded them from experiencing the full ministry of Jesus. Although our faith does not proportionally quantify the blessings we receive from Jesus, our lack of faith can lead us to ignore or miss the work of Jesus in and around us. It can also stir disdain when we do witness the redeeming and restoring work of Jesus and other people. We begin to judge Jesus on who He saves, redeems, and heals. At my worst moments, I begin to think, why does this person get to experience God in ways that I have never experienced Him? I tell myself that my level of faith should deliver a greater portion of blessings. Even at my best, I wonder if Jesus can really restore such a broken heart. Our personal worldview, narratives, and biases dictate and limit possibilities of what Jesus can do and who he can reach. These miracles, whether faith was involved or wasn't, whether people were disciples afterwards or not, whether people were thankful or ungrateful, whether it seemed impossible or possible. All occurred because of Jesus' compassion, authority, and grace. None of it was due to our own merits or hard work. The measure of Jesus' miracles are not indicative to the product of who we are and what we can produce. It is fully dependent on God's mercy and power. Likewise, Jesus' death on the cross and His purchase of the debt of our sins is never in response to our moral righteousness or failings, but it is by His great compassion that we are forgiven and redeemed. His grace is not limited to the few and faithful, but it is offered to all who are willing to believe and accept. The Pharisees were not ready to believe that Jesus was the true Messiah, nor were they willing to accept His authority. They continued to conspire and accredit His ministry to demons, heretical teachings, and false ideology. They assigned His agenda to a political one and couldn't remove their blinders to see the kingdom agenda that He was trying to demonstrate. Since we can see that God's redeeming work isn't limited by the measure of our faith, but rests entirely on His compassion and mercy, we can find security and rest in His abilities rather than our own. Many times we feel like we can only approach God and petition for these miracles when we are in good standings with Him. However, if our faith is in Jesus and His work, we can approach Him through any and every season. When we recognize Jesus as the gracious giver and the one who we find full full sufficiency in, we can abide in him rather than the gifts or miracles he provides. Our hearts don't need to covet or discredit Jesus working elsewhere, as the Pharisees did, but we can find joy in the larger work of the kingdom. As we pray, let's not pray as orphans who are trying to gain approval and recognition in the eyes of the Father, but let's pray as heirs to the King, who has already graciously given us abundant life through the cross and has adopted children who can trust their Heavenly Father. Dear Heavenly Father, we thank you for your Son and we thank you for the sacrifice and the gift of grace that you have given to us. We thank you that this gift isn't based on our merits or our moral righteousness, but is completely due to your compassionate nature and your heart of love. Let us see people in the way that you see us. Let us love others and rejoice in the work that you're doing in other people. Father, we pray for greater things. We pray for miracles to mend our hearts. We pray for healing from our past. And we pray for joy in our dark, dark spaces. And Father, we can just trust in you that through it all that you love us, And that you remain faithful to us. We thank you so much. We love you. In Jesus' name we pray. Amen. Thanks again for tuning in to another episode of The Bite. To find out more about the mission and ministry of Hope Brooklyn, and to subscribe to our other podcasts and lots more, visit us online at www.hopebrooklyn.org.